Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor's going to distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started. Hey there, Z Nation fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Z Nation After Show here on AfterBuzz TV. Tonight we are talking about Season 5, Episode 5, Killing All the Books. We're going to be breaking down tonight's episode, and also we have a very, very special guest calling in, so stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Michelle, definitely on point. I dedicate this to Addie. Oh, it's so good to see her. We didn't see her in this episode, but it's just so good. But let's be real. For all I know, that wasn't her. That was a stand-in, but it was Addie. <laughs> it was. And also, I mean, it's kind of iconic. Yes. It's a symbol of hope, probably. Maybe. <laughs> the, uh, I just want to know, how does it feel to be right? Feels so good. <laughs> vindicated? Yes. How did we not start with Vindicated? Uh, because vind- <laughs> Vindicated is a completely different song with a completely different context. And this is true. Anyway, hey there, Z Nation fans. Welcome back to the Z Nation After Show. Uh, we are going to be breaking down tonight's episode, talking about 10K and his sort of spy mission, uh, Doc and the Exploding Z, and of course, talking all about George trying to deal with the new reality uh, in terms of Pacifica in a post-terrorist attack. So we also have a very, very special guest who's called in. But first, let me introduce my fantastic panel. To my left, Michelle Cullen. Hello, everyone. To her left, Katie Cullen. Hi, all my buddies. And I'm Megan Salinas. We are going to be keeping an eye on the hashtag ABTVZNation. Katie's also got you guys covered on the live chat. And so joining us via phone is the director of Killing All the Books, Mr. Juan Moss. How are you doing tonight, Juan? Very good. How is everyone Good. Doing all right. Yeah. Doing pretty good, all things considered. Uh, yeah, so how uh, how does it feel now that the episode has aired and that it's out there? Uh, great. Obviously, you know, we had a bunch of the... Uh, I live in Spokane. We actually get shot. So a bunch of the crew and a couple of the local cast, we all got together at a, at a bar and had drinks and watched it, and it was exciting. That's really fun. I like that. 
Yeah, me too. So, yeah, let's let's go ahead and get into it with tonight's episode. Uh, what, ladies? Initial thoughts on the episode. This was a rough one to watch. Yeah, really, really good. Really, really difficult. It was interesting. The whole tone of the season is different because, in in a way, this felt like a filler episode because it's building up to something, but it was still substantial in its own story and had its own emotional traumatic points within it uh so it's well done i loved yeah. it yeah Juan, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the emotional impact you guys were going for with this episode uh god thank you so much for what you guys already said uh yeah we were it you know katie o'brien and i and kalita we talked a lot about that because it was kind of like their little story and her arc and what's going on there but at the same time 10k again on his own you know, wandering off and then finding himself on a mission without even realizing. So it's kind of interesting. We talked about it, you know, and especially with Red and, and Matt, you know, Natalie and Matt talking about that scene where they're, you know, where she, he can't shoot, you know, yeah. he's lost his power, you know, and how, how does a, how does someone who loves get them to get over themselves without, you know, kicking them, you know, too hard in the ass. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good. I mean, and sometimes people do need a good kick in the ass. <laughs> you, you just, you do. You can give them all the compassion in the world, but if that doesn't work, sometimes they really do need a good kick to be like, get going. <laughs> or they need a... Pity party is over. Lights have come on. Everyone's getting kicked out of the bar. Go. Or occasionally they need a tumbleweed of zombies just tossed their way. That's a good motivational push. Yeah. I feel like a kick in the ass is slightly less deadly. <laughs> but yeah. Well... Before we uh, before we dig too deep into the episode, we have a quick announcement for you guys. Do we always? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Hey, AfterBuzzers, our network produces after shows for nearly all your favorite TV shows. From dramas, reality TV, sci-fi, and more, there is no network that works harder to serve television fans. But we need your help. We're asking that you please subscribe to one or more of our YouTube channels. By subscribing to our channels, YouTube will suggest content that's tailor-made for you, and you'll help AfterBuzz continue to grow. And if you're worried about pesky notifications, don't be, because they're optional. However, they do tell you exactly when we go live. <laughs> so, hit that subscribe button now for this channel and check out our other AfterBuzz TV YouTube channels as well. Let us know you did so in the comments and we'll thank you on air. For now, thanks for being the best fans and for helping us be the ESPN of TV talk. Yeah, there are a lot of fun channels here uh, in the on the AfterBuzz you know, website. You know, the animation channel is definitely one I highly recommend checking out. Namely because we live there. <laughs> a little bit. Um, but yeah, guys, let's get back to the episode. Juan, I just want to know, what was your favorite part of this episode? 
that Oof, that's a that's a hard one. Um, God, that's really tough because I would say set out the fight sequence between uh, Warren and O'Brien in the book room was yeah. fun, in particular yeah. because the we had an opportunity to choreograph it, and I already knew the kind of Ooh. tempo type of music we wanted to play with. So we actually choreographed it a lot with the music as well. But then the scene when, you know, when O'Brien, you know, when George has to do, do her friend and just the performance oh. of two ladies brought in was just phenomenal there. But come on, who couldn't be excited at the end when we saw the Z-Wackers <laughs> coming over the Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it, it's hard to argue with that. Michelle, was that your favorite moment? My favorite moment was the Z-Whacker, and my second favorite moment was uh, Citizen Z and uh, Kaya and just searching for Nana and yeah. Jay-Z and just that family bond and, and the teamwork that they have and how well they work together as actors and on screen as a couple. I love it. And also knowing how Nana thinks and knowing where she would go. <laughs> so, Nana likes to find the closets. <laughs> Nana likes to hide her stash. <laughs> Yeah, I my favorite was the part towards the end where they're all trying to rebuild the library where it's oh this is, oh this is the Odyssey this looks like classical literature it's over there here's three more leaves for the tree we're rebuilding the tree just that was the part where I went yep I'm done I do <laughs> just love completely that part. emotionally wrecked right there <laughs> yeah so good well done Juan you, yeah. you emotionally wrecked us. Well, it isn't just me. It's also Jen Derenser, who's a great writer, and I've done a couple of her scripts and love working with her stuff. And she's so collaborative that you know we can bring back ideas and we put you know bounce off before we actually start shooting. So it's actually you know it's a collaborative team with the actors and the writers, and of course Carl Schaefer, who is you know the Godfather, who's like <laughs> watching over us, making sure we're doing all right. Yeah, uh, we've uh, talking about that, kind of going off of that. Um, season five, yeah, it's as you alluded to, Michelle, has been a very different sort of tone than previous seasons. Like the series has never been afraid of being dark, but it also has always had this underlying sense of humor. And we've had that underlying sense of humor, you know, still present this season. But there's also a little bit more of a kind of a different type of darkness that's overshadowing everything everything uh was it difficult to try to approach that that difference in tone or is it just kind of uh just same same sort of thing that you guys have been going for for the last couple seasons but just tweaked a little bit i think the tweak is probably the the right word it's because we were there are moments i obviously in five which we do go pretty dark but then the lighter moments have become lighter because of that so that the balance was really good, and I really enjoyed it. And and then adding the Z bomb and come out, who can't laugh every time you see this ball of zombies <laughs> just rolling down the road, right? Uh, it just adds to like all oh, this the horror this poor young kid is going through. So um, I thought it was just really well balanced that way because of having be able to go dark as dark as we went, but those lighter moments and came at the right time. 
Yeah, I, I concur with that assessment. Like, in the same episode, we have this very heartfelt moment in which George has to to kill her friend. And it's it's this wonderfully emotional scene. And then we, we cut to 10K, uh, <laughs> where there's a tumbleweed of zombies coming towards him. And it's, it's, it's one of those things where I had completely forgotten that tumbleweeds were a thing until it happened. And it made me laugh that much harder. <laughs> Just one of those moments of, oh, yeah. Oh, no. And I would even take it to something that's just, it's constant throughout the episode in, in terms of concept of the the bombers are zombies. They're walking bombs. And that's a terrifying thought. And you see the destruction. And then you see Doc dealing with one. And it just the monologue that he has with himself of how am I going to do this? How Okay, this is ridiculous. And just going, and it adds that comic relief to a very dire situation. <laughs> and that moment of how to defuse a bomb 101, just that <laughs> book being on the shelf. Pacifica coming through with the books. Yeah. Yeah, that, that actually was kind of the pop guys and I were talking about it. And we like we were we were discussing how Doc's following the, the zombie, who, by the way, is my 17-year-old son, plays that nice. zombie. What? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he owed me some money, so I told me he could work it off by being a zombie on the set for a couple days. That is a great way to work that off. Man, yep. I wish that had been an option for me when I was a I kid. Like, I had to mow the lawn. <laughs> so, but, yeah, but we did come. We, were trying, we had, like, a whole series of book ideas that spined it, and they pitched me a handful, and that was the one that was the cleanest and the quickest that you read, and you got the humor. And then, and then Doc, I mean, Russell just plays it off so well. It's like, Oh, look at the book, and then oh shit, he's gone. And then he's off. <laughs> <in the> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Russell is a treasure. Russell yes. has been an MVP not just of this season but of the entire series. Yes, it would be a very different show without Doc present. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, kind of talking about that. Um, Creating sort of an atmosphere in the wake of an explosion is something we've we've seen actually a couple times this season now. Um, So, yeah, I wanted to ask a little bit about sort of creating that chaotic atmosphere um, to to help build the tension. How did you guys go about doing that? Well, first of all, I mean, our show's got a tight budget. Yeah. That actual, pretty much that whole area where the library fight scene happens and Doc is chasing us, that's exactly the same room in a hallway over and over again. What? We built a bunch, yeah, we built a bunch of the, uh, art director, Vince State Police, and I came up with the idea, like, all right, build me a bunch of bookcases that are two-sided or I can make them one-sided, burnt out, books in them, and I can put them on casters so I can spin them around and just create subtle mazes. And wow. then uh, my DP, Peter Green, is like, I told him, look, here's what we got to work with. He goes, all right, great. Will you make our main source be emergency lights? So that's why there's that whole concept. If you notice, you come from the kind of more brightly lit area and you're going into a darker space. And the idea was you're going into the center of where the explosion occurred. Um, and likewise, uh, um, uh, Citizen Z is coming from another direction, going to, trying to end up at the same space. But literally, is probably a room that's probably, I don't know, 30 by 40 with a long hallway and about eight different bookcases with burnt us. I mean, we had bins and bins of burned out books. So you basically built a Doctor Who set. We did. We did. And <laughs> TV it was magic. Cooling, and it was changing. And 
the set that set us, um, the outset dresser and I had like a floor plan for depending on what scene it was. And we, everybody would get in there, move all the bookcases around, and we set it, smoke it up, get the, and then the lights would move around just enough that you didn't feel you were in the same hallway. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, a TV magic. <laughs> it down like looking at the hallways that Citizen Z was walking down. I never would have guessed that it was the exact same set that Doc was running now, down. No, that one was different. That is the that hallway is a famous hallway for us because that's also the hallway where I shot Russell glowing in the dark and killing the zombie last season. <laughs> if you remember, there was a glow in the dark. Yeah. That's that hallway. So that hallway is going to be is for like. That's why we sort of make it work at two different locations. We had one stretch of a hallway, which was all, which was all Kaya and Citizen Z, and then that other hallway in a small room for the library and everything else. Wow. You guys are very, very versatile. I Dang. never would have guessed that all of these sets were just getting repurposed. That's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Well, we have to. We have more time that's true. That's exceedingly true. Like, um, you guys are on such a harsh production schedule. Um, I always like asking, uh, particularly directors, what the most difficult part of any given episode was. And I was wondering, is the most difficult part the fire stunt that you guys did at the very top of this episode? Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. not, to be really? honest. I mean, the stunt crew and the uh, special effects crew, they're so top-notch we, and we've been working together for so long. A lot of stuff we do is shorthand, and we all know what to expect. There's a lot of great safety meetings and all that. But no, that, but we have, you know, a strong AD department, too, that helps make sure that I've allocated, you know, we sat down with, with Jared, my AD, and, and the effects guys, and go, okay, this is how much time we need to shoot that. So no matter where I'm at, Jared, you've got to hit my butt over there. And that's what he would do. Um, probably the funniest thing to me is the hardest day of this episode was basically the day we covered all the dialogue out in front of the library, you know, like the fight between the talkers and the and the non-talkers and the show up of 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 the um, of the military truck, all that stuff, because we had to shoot it backwards, and I also had to shoot it like stagging the the uh, the cast in because there was just not enough time to get everybody up and ready and running in the beginning of the day. So it was that was probably the hardest day for me just have to wrap my head around it where I got to shoot for a little bit one direction and then turn around look the other way and then go back the other direction and go to the beginning of the day or the oh. beginning of the uh, earlier oh. in the episode. So that was probably the hardest part. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see why it'd be hard to wrap your brain around that one. Yeah. Yeah. Lunch is me sitting by myself in a little plate of food just going, okay, where am I now? <laughs> 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 what day is it? <laughs> um, kind of going off of that, since you were talking about um, Altura and we were talking about George uh, a little bit, let's go ahead and start there, because I feel like a big part of the emotional crux of this episode focuses on George and her dilemma. 
Um, and we see Warren uh, very much still trying to mentor uh, George and trying to steer her in the right direction and pushing her to make the tough choices. Uh, even when, like, because I don't think George ever pictured that you know, zombie terrorism was ever a thing that was ever at any point in time in Numerica's future. So seeing a, lo- a lot of her friends and, you know, dying around her uh, with no sort of means of being able to prevent them from turning, uh, her first thought is like, maybe we should just let it happen and let nature take its course. And that's when Warren has to push her in a different direction. Um, do you guys kind of think that Warren is kind of passing the torch a little bit. I do think she's passing the torch. I also think that it's hearkening back to when she saved her in Black Summer because George has just been building this since Black Summer and Warren has seen some shit. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, and there's just, it's very different how they've been surviving the past several years. or Eight years? Are we at eight yeah. years since yeah. the beginning? Um, so like six or seven years from Black Summer, however long after that happened. Um, but so she's been building a peaceful area for people to thrive, and talkers are a very new addition, and it's kind of Warren's fault. And Whoopsie it's, doodle. It's, it's kind of that thing of like, even though it's not directly their fault, our gang became involved and everything went to crap. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like Zona wouldn't have figured out another way to do it had they not had our gang. Yeah. They were just convenient, and also the camera follows them. Yeah, I don't think she's necessarily... <laughs> come on. I don't think she's necessarily passing the torch, but I do think she is training another leader. She's been through a lot of very, very difficult situations that George is only just starting to run into. And so being able to help her become a better leader is definitely in everyone's best interests. But I don't think Warren's getting ready to just peace out anytime soon. What if she is, though? What if she dies? Oh, no! (laughs) I don't think she's getting ready to die. The show might be getting ready for her to die. We never know. But I don't think she, as a character, is like, well, I've got till Tuesday, so uh, let's get this done. I just want to point out that Michelle's been right before. I just got really worried. (laughs) Um, You say that like I haven't. <laughs> well, one, excuse <laughs> one. Uh, we obviously you work with a a bunch of talented actors. Um, did you did you get the chance to talk to Katie and Kalita um, sort of before they had this emotional heart to heart? Because they've oh. had a few prior to this. Yeah. Oh no, no, we did. We went out to dinner a couple times together to talk about it and discuss it. You know, I mean, you guys are you guys are amazing. You're pretty dead on them. Pretty much everything we talked about, you know, the, the big, big note that I gave Katie is like, this is the, this episode is where the idealist has to meet reality, oh. you know? Oh. And, and it's a really hard moment to take that. And then you've got, you know, Kalita, who's been, who's been through so much, seen so much happen. And then in the first couple episodes, you're thinking, Oh, She's finding some peace finally, and then she doesn't. Oh. It's just, she's just tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The woman is exhausted emotionally and physically, and she's tired. Um, and there's something about this young character in George that inspires her to keep going. Uh, we And that's kind of what we played around with. And I mean, Jen's, Jen's lines were great and dead on, especially in that moment. 
that you guys were just talking about where she's all oh, let just let nature take its course, you know, and we talked about it several times and, um, and Khalida did a couple little improvs a couple different times and just a couple lines, but it's just those two understanding that they need each other right now without really knowing it. Kalita needs George to keep going and George needs to go to the next level because of what, what uh, Warren would be pushing through. There's a moment where uh, they're at the, uh, after she goes into the big room with all the, all the books and all the papers are burned and they had the little talk and um, Kalita, uh, Warren gives her the little pep speech and there's this poster that they're looking at. And, and the idea was what each of them were focusing on the poster was different. Um, George was looking at the, on, on the, the uh, divided, divided we, uh, we turn and Warren's vision was looking at the silhouette that looked like George, knowing oh. this is the future. And then that's what motivates them both to keep mm. going on. I just oh. got goosebumps. That's beautiful. Good. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of going off of that, but that moment where, yeah, she's in the the library and just all of those pages are are singed on the ground. That's definitely my favorite shot of the of the whole episode, um, and that kind of ties into when Altura shows up. Um, they have a seemingly different agenda when it comes to saving people. Uh, they're there to save people, not books. But it's not even so much that they, like, that saving books and the archives aren't a priority for them. They actually physically knock books out of people's hands like a grade no school bully. <laughs> um, and uh, at the time of this recording, we are doing it on the eve of the midterm elections for 2018. Please vote. Please vote. Please vote. Please don't be. Please vote. Altura looks like it's becoming a fascist state. Don't be Altura. So, yeah, that was kind of what I was going to ask was uh, this season is definitely uh, more seemingly more politically charged. And um, we, we get that great line from George, you know, the truth doesn't matter. What matters is what people believe. And that hit me really, really hard. Um, so yeah, when, when you guys were, were in the middle of production, <coughs> did you guys have the current political climate in mind, especially when it comes to, you know, this episode is airing right before the midterm elections? I, I don't think we realized it was going to air right before the election, but I do know having sat in the writer's room, the writers definitely do. And there's a lot of, and Carl, I mean, since season one, Carl's always clipped in what's going on in our world politically into the show, just a little flavor of it to make you think about it. Um, and I think the entire writing staff is in the same kind of same place. Um, so definitely, yes, that was something in mind, the direction of things, how things are going. Um, and also I think on set there was, there was, there was such a good moment when we were figuring out how to stage that, because that's the day I have to like, shoot the thing at half, half and half, but figuring out how to make that guy just even more... Of a dick. I mean, he's a great performer. I mean, yeah, even more of a dick than he was, but his, my favorite line is like, when he goes, what, 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 turn? I just <laughs> love the way he delivered that every time. But when I'm like, I want to choose the backdrop person to go, and I just picked like the most meekest person. I'm like, that's what it's got to be. So that it carried that punch a little bit even further. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it definitely that's what you know. It is definitely a flavor that we put into the. Yeah, you know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Into into the show. Uh, I think the cast does, I think the crew does, um, and definitely the writers. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. I, I love that moment just because it, on the one hand it's so funny, but at the same time it really does have this underlying Menace. like awful truth to it. Because um, you know, there's an old adage that you know people who forget the past are doomed to repeat it, and they make a big deal about how at Pacifica are the archives and wanting to preserve our past and the memory of generations lost um, during the apocalypse. Well, and an educated populace is much, much harder to fool. They're harder to dominate. They're harder to rule, which is why usually when you're building a fascist regime, regime, you go after the intellectuals. You go after the educated people. You try to discredit them. You try to remove them. Here we're looking at the biggest repository of human knowledge in Numerica. It makes sense if you are trying to rule these people because that's – I'm like 90% certain that that's what's going on here. That's my yeah. little pet theory and I'm sticking that to the wall and waiting yeah. to see what happens. It's- but – you destroy the knowledge base. You refuse to bring it back to the one safe place that there supposedly is. Like, yeah, you're making these people a lot easier to boss around because they don't have that knowledge base. Yeah, we're and not to not to make it too real, but we are sadly in an age of anti-intellectualism. We are. And it sucks. That's why we're at where we're at. <laughs> so yeah, please go vote tomorrow. How do you feel, Megan? <laughs> Real unsafe. You got really high. You got high there. Um, I feel like everyone should vote. That's how I feel. Please vote. Please vote. Please vote. Michelle? Um, I just, I think this episode in particular, and really this season so far, is just showcasing the difference between human and humanity and showing that the humans don't have humanity and just that dichotomy of... Of like, yeah, he's alive. He's human. He knocked the books out of her hand. But then, who's rebuilding it? The people who died and turned and were able to eat biscuits. The talkers are preserving the history and rebuilding and just moving forward and and showing kindness where really it shouldn't be shown at after a certain point. But they they want to build toward that better future, and really, it's because they have a bigger stake in it. Like they, it's just it. It reflects society so well right now. You just hit the nail on the well, head there. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, and 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 that's really if you look at all our seasons, and and this goes to you know our Godfather Carl. He that is a message that's constantly there. That just because we're human doesn't mean that we have humanity. And um, I because I remember um, talking to him. Because I did the Native American episode back in episode what was that season two? I love that. With yeah. the big waterfall, the big the waterfall of zombies going into the into the Grand Canyon. Yeah. And we talked about we were he and I talked about it specifically saying it's not about it's not about um, 
the types of people on our show. It's how he, that cluster of humanity is trying to figure out how to survive the apocalypse. So what decisions do they make that makes them better people or worse people? And that's once he told me that, I mean, to me, anything that he throws in front of me, now I know where he's coming from with it. Um, because even in that episode, I remember Keith and I had long talks with Kalita about how Murphy felt of being humanity of us sending all these zombies off the edge of the cliff. Yes, it was a good thing, but there's an inhumane quality aspect to it as well. Um, and I think it carries over to this episode with the talkers and especially with the professor who's like, he knows the cookies are done. He's probably going to turn real soon, but their priority is going to be to keep knowledge available. Yeah. With, hard. with the limited amount of time they have left. Yeah. It really does bring out the best in them because they're like, Hey, we only have so much time. We need to make the most of it while we still can. And yeah, this show has always uh, zombie media in general likes to toy around with the idea, but this show in particular with the inclusion of Murphy has definitely loved toying around with the theme of what it means to be human. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, we've been seeing a lot of that and I feel like that hits the nail on the head for sure this season. Oh yeah. Um, before we switch gears real quick, I want to talk to you guys really quickly about iTunes. Folks, thank you so much to everybody who's gone to iTunes to rate, subscribe, leave a comment. We love hearing from you and is the best way to let our producers know that you guys like the show that we're putting on. So if you haven't already done so, go to iTunes, rate, all that fun stuff. Five stars would be preferable. And we will give you a, we like giving shout outs to people on the show who do it. Um, just like Jimmy Joe Jangles, who wrote, Brava! These gals do a great job. They get good guests and sometimes uh, don't get how good they are. I love the insight which they bring. They, they love that we got DC Douglas on a couple seasons back. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a night. Sure I love was. him. He's great. DC Douglas was fantastic. And we love Wesker. Um, anyway, so yeah, thank you guys to everybody who's done that. We love that we have an international audience. Uh, so if you guys are part of that international audience, please leave a comment and take a screen cap up of it and put in the hashtag APTVZNation so you guys can yes. get your shout out too. So thank you guys so, so much to everybody who's already done that. And we love the comments on YouTube too. You guys are on fire this yeah. season. I you love reading those. Yeah, y'all are the best. So thank you guys again. Um, Yeah, let's talk a little bit about 10K. Yeah, I don't want to switch gears too much because like, but like, I really do want to dig into sort of the, the crux of his struggle because he's lost a big part of his identity with the loss of his hand and he's still struggling to adjust to that. I mean, if you actually think about it, he's lost more than a big part. His 10K is based on the idea that he can, he's going to kill 10,000 zombies. Yeah. And right now he's unable to. So his sense of existence has always been him being able to shoot that gun and now he can't and it was done by somebody who cares for him to save mm -hmm. him yeah. you know and that was kind of like what we talked about with natalie and that together like you know you did this <laughs> you, you did this you know and you put him in this place and 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 you're that's why she's dragging him out there to try to get him just to practice and even and to be honest, the uh, the line was just "you should try your other hand." Was didn't come up until in post, and it was a suggestion from by my editor Greg, who was a phenomenal editor on this episode. He recommended we bring her in and do an ADR and, and have her make that suggestion. I'm like, dude, that's brilliant! 
And he's still like, you know, like a typical guy. He's like, ah, and I'm going to go look somewhere. And that's what he does. <laughs> yeah. And then she makes him a trigger finger, kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Well, I, thing, yeah. That's as good as it gets. We're I really, in the apocalypse. I really appreciate though that yeah, not knowing that that line was an ADR edition, like his performance really matches it though it in does. terms of yeah. like frustration of like yeah, sure, let me just use my other hand. <laughs> I, I, yeah, and I think that's what Greg read into it, and he goes, "I think it's a better one because we didn't really have one. He just kind of walked away, and that line just kind of made the scene go better, you know." And and the and the frustration with this hook thing, this this wire thing, um, and just, well, and also the reality is that he's in pain. He's in constant pain from it because oh, yeah. the infection and stuff. It's not right? healing so property. Not, That's bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, the Nat and I talked about it because it's like, again, I've I've always been the one who because I also do the set unit directing stuff for the show, the whole show. And I'm the one who always gets mad when he's going to run out in the woods forever. I'm the one who did the wolf, the wolf episode. So That's right. And he's all like, how many miles am I going to have to run this time? I don't know. We'll figure it out as we go. Assume at least five and we'll go from there. Oh, yeah. Not. I mean, just one more night. I swear to God, last one. I swear it. But no, he's a, he's a trooper, and we laugh about the fact that it's like, if he's got to run, I get him. And he, and he goes out in the woods with me, and we spend a couple of days running around with my camera guy and getting all that stuff. But we <laughs> talked about the fact that he he is not given up yet fully. And that's kind of what we were trying to play with about all those times that he stopped to shoot, you know? But he's like, I oh, know, I'm going to try it again. I'm going to try it again, you know? Um, and and then him just falling upon this stuff. So he ended up falling upon this mission without really knowing what's going on and just kept making decisions that just like, were like, were turning out to not be the best decision. Oh, and he just jumped into this truck. He's <laughs> a ball of zombies. Let me use my hook and hold myself up so they can't eat me. Oh, my hook gets stuck. Oh, no. You know, it's all. It's like he, every decision he's making is just like, ah. Oh. So that's one of my favorite shots. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. And him is when he looks at the zombie, <laughs> rolling away, turns around and sees a truck going away. He's like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm just going to walk. And he starts to walk. <laughs> I feel like that is the 10K thought process. Just like, ah, okay. <laughs> a little bit of Eeyore up in there. Just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's like, uh, yeah, I felt bad for him by the end because he's just like out there in the middle of nowhere. Nobody knows where he's at because he just wandered off into the woods. But that's kind of what he needs right now. Yeah. I think he's going to learn how to shoot left-handed. Or he might die. I don't think he'll die. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's 
zombie apocalypse, there is always the possibility Dude, that someone confident? is going to kick it. That, and then that at was, one point, <laughs> earlier in the chat, Sierra said, this com- this week's episode is episode six. We always lose someone in episode six. <laughs> like, really oh, upsetting. pattern recognition. I really appreciated <laughs> that that was a visual, for me, that was a visual representation of glass half full, glass completely empty. <laughs> I don't think he'll die. I just kind of walk into every episode assuming that someone is going to be horribly murdered, and if they're not, it's a pleasant surprise. You know? That's a fair assessment. Um, Kind of on a a lighter note, I want to switch gears again. Um, Michelle, you said one of your favorite moments about this episode was just seeing the dynamic between Citizen Z and Kaya as they're searching for their son. I love Ramona so much. She's so great. Oh, they're all so great. They're they're delightful. I'm so happy they got paired up as a couple within the show. And Me at this too. point, like all of them, uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and they work so well together. They do, and they talk about it, and they then they play off of each other, and then it's just so easy to direct them. It's like, all right, here's what we're thinking about, and then they kind of play them like, oh, I like where that's going. Let's move that. Let's go do that. You know. So it's just a, such a wonderful team to have the two two of them together. Yeah, they are absolutely a delight. And yeah, I think another really big highlight for me was Ramona saying, like, they're not going to eat my baby! Like, yes! <laughs> uh, the only the only thing I'm sort of disappointed about is I was just getting used to the idea of, you know, Citizen Z and Kaya getting to play off of the rest of our team because they've been isolated for so long and getting to see all of them together this season has been such a treat. And now they're separated again because Warren needs um, some insiders over at Altura. Look, it's not Z Nation if we don't split the party. <laughs> Plus, that means that Estes and Pandora are going to come back into the mix in a way. Where, like, they're, where they're spied on. I like the, <laughs> way, <laughs> I like the way you think. <laughs> Creepy Pandora. She, God. Opening her box. Oh, <laughs> I am legit terrified of that woman. She is scary. Yes. So Lydia has she, to come on, is what I'm hearing. You say that like I'm not yeah, working on is, it. No, she is beautiful. She's a wonderful human being until she puts the mask on. And then she gets really, really creepy and weird. <laughs> I think that's awesome. So, in character. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, if I had a mask on half my face, I think I'd get a little weird, too. Like, I would totally lean into it. I would would Phantom of the Opera it up a little bit, for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, Who wouldn't? So, another thing I really want to touch on is, of course, Michelle made a stellar prediction last season. that er, Last, last season, week? <laughs> it feels like a million years ago. It's been a million years. Um, it's been one last week. Last week that Since Addie, at me? that the symbol that we've been seeing, where it was the sun with three rays, was actually the Z-Whacker. Was actually the Z-Whacker, and that it meant Addie was coming back soon. And sure enough, an excellent we get an excellent shot of the uh, the Z Whacker going through a field of wheat. Now that was beautiful. Yeah, oh, yeah. Kudos, Juan. That was a, such a fantastic shot. Well, I was listen. I'm a huge fan of Anastasia, and and so glad to have her come back. And when I got to know that I was going to be the one that was going to introduce it originally, that was the only shot that existed. Just at the end of the Z Whacker going down in the in the woods. I'm like, no, 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 no. We got to make this like the gladiator shot, you know, with the yeah. hand over the wheat field and the sun hitting the right spot. And then I got a, and then I reached out to Carl and I said, can I sprinkle it more times 
throughout the show hinting that something somebody's behind this spray paint can so that we can really capture the And he loved the idea. So that's why we have all those shots of the spray paint, you know, just filling up the frame. And then, then when you see those boots walking through, I don't know which fan did not realize that's Addy coming yep. back. Yeah, oh, um, so good. And the iconic and, leather jacket. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then having all that coming into, into and it was funny because Anastasia wasn't up here yet. So I just, she's done with a double. I don't like to I just gave you the best entrance ever, sister. Wait, <laughs> you, it was a standard, and I'm not mad at all. No, it, it looks it's breathtaking. It oh, looks yeah. Fabulous. So we are running a little short on time. Juan, is there anything else about this episode that you want the fans to know? Um, that just, no. I mean, I, I'm glad people enjoyed it. I'm glad you everything you guys said is spot on. It is. You were right in the sense where it is kind of a filler episode, but it's the one that is now re-spreading everybody out so that we can go for another handful of episodes and people on adventures. So I'm the one that launched everybody to an adventure is how I see it. I it's a transitional episode. Yeah, yeah that's I didn't, a better. That's I didn't better think of one. it as filler at all. No. <laughs> um, but the uh, again, we can't thank you enough. Do you have any other projects that you uh, you have coming up that you can let people know about? I know NDAs make it tough sometimes. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, no, not really. I got a small in, in personal project that we're doing here at Vince Burkan. We did a uh, 360 VR shoot with dancers and it's on the house in the Wonderland storyline where we're going to be premiering it in Spokane on December 7th and then hopefully go and send it through festivals. That's about it. It's called Tempest. That's really exciting. That sounds pretty great. Give us the name one more time. Tempest. Okay. I love it. Keep an eye out for Uh, that. So yeah, where can people go if they want to, if they want to keep up with you and your upcoming projects? Uh, Right now, probably the best place will be uh, Purple Crayon Pictures. That's my little company because I love the guy, the fact that I can keep drawing pictures off the paper. Um, and that's our website, purplecrayonpictures.com. Well, thank you so, so much again, Juan, for joining us tonight. We really, really appreciate it. And thank you so much for putting together such a great episode. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, ladies, for making it so much fun. You guys are a hoot. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll have a wonderful night, Juan. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, he's a hoot, too. Oh, yeah. And a holler. (laughs) Yes, this was a hoot and a holler. So, yes, as we said, we are running short on time, so sadly no predictions again this week, unless you want to get them in your outros. (laughs) Katie, where can people go if they want to keep up with you? I think things are going to happen next week. Uh, You can follow me all all over the social medias, as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaje. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. I also live on Rooster Teeth Reviews on the Animation Channel on Wednesdays, and guys, Ruby is back. We're starting that this week. Woot woot. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Michelle underscore Cullen. And I'm Megan. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TheMenguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I do a bunch of stuff here at AfterBuzz, but I also do a uh, Lost Retrospective podcast called No Love Lost. So check that out. New episode just dropped recently. So yeah, go get caught up. Thank you guys so, so much for watching. We will see you all next week. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. 
Buzz you later. <laughs> From executive producers Maria Manunos. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.